Hello and welcome to 1882. That's right, we're finally back after just being lazy bastards over the, I like to say over the Christmas period, but it's been a lot longer than that. I'm Ash, I'm going to be your judge if you want today, uh, more agnostic on the matter, but speaking on behalf of Enoch out is my brother Chris. How you doing, bro? How are you doing, everyone? We're good. What's up, man? Um, and we've got a guest with us today all the way from over the other side of the pond. It's Steve. How you doing, mate? Good. Thanks for having me, y'all. Hey, it's a pleasure. Whereabouts are you from over there? Uh, I'm in Miami, Florida right oh, now. Nice. Now, I bet you're feeling a lot warmer than we are. <laughs> right now, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It's horrendous here. Horrendous. But it's good to have you on. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you got into watching Spurs and sort of where your support of the club sort of stems from? Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's a little bit different being an American and I'll say football, being an American football <laughs> fan, because it, there's not the whole tribalism thing. We don't get to pick the team where we're from. It's just a different journey. It's hard to explain. It's complex. But the way that I started supporting Spurs, would say about nine years ago at the beginning of 2013, the first game I had watched. And Spurs had been mentioned to me in bars as a cool team if I wanted to start getting into the EPL as a cool team to start following. And Back then, 10 to 20 years ago, it was really hard to follow EPL in America just because of the access to the continent. You had to have a satellite to watch yeah. some of the games. Nowadays, with the internet, we can in streaming, we can watch all the games. So we, we, were start, we started to have access to these games. I wanted to research for the 2014 World Cup. The first game that I watched when I started getting into the EPL was Tim Sherwood's very first game as a manager <laughs> at Man U. Emmanuel Adobayer, he scored scored those goals, did those yeah, salutes, yeah. and I thought that was the coolest guy in all of the worlds, and I thought that they would be awesome to get behind, and it didn't quite turn out that way, but it has been really, really fun following this club over the past nine years, despite what's going on right now. Well, it's quite a ride, isn't it? It's easy just to follow your Manchester Cities or United or Liverpool because you know you're going to see some success. But like being able to choose a club that you know is going to take you on a bit of a roller coaster, I imagine that's a bit different to what other people might have experienced when being in a similar position to yours when they're just sort of um, looking to get into clubs in the in EPL. But that's it's great to hear. I mean, it's an interesting time to start watching when Tim Sherwood takes over and we've got the delays <laughs> being thrown at the benches and all that. But no, it's, um, it's really great to have you interested. In. Is, there a, um, is there a large supporter group where, where you are in Miami? In Miami? No, there's not. In, in fact, if anyone is from Miami and listens to this, hit me up on on the Twitter, I'd love to meet some more. We have a there's there's some bros that we watch games with around here. Uh, there's there's supporters clubs in a lot of major cities in America. I've I've been to several of them. They tend to be really cool people, way yeah. cooler than a lot of the other supporter clubs from other teams. Uh, it's, it's another thing that I really like about Tottenham, at least as far as as the American fans are concerned. I think we have the coolest fans and the expats that come over and are part of these clubs, they seem to be the coolest expats. Maybe I'm biased, but they seem to be. <laughs> it's all right to be biased. No, we are definitely growing in America. I think the numbers online show that as well. Uh, just before we get into the whole Enoch debate, Chris, I want to bring you in literally just a couple minutes. I don't want to dwell on it too much, but you got to talk about Villa. Um, bit shit, yeah. right? Yeah, terrible, really. Um, nothing to really say on the, on the matter, but listen... 
freaking nothing off the bench. Hill starting, Charleston out, Son might as well be out. Um, disappointed with Kane. I thought he could have stepped up and showed a bit of leadership with being the senior player, but ultimately he can't do it by himself. Um, I was a bit feeling like I told you so because. Um, I remember when we was linked with Douglas Louise. I, th- I think he's a fantastic, very solid player. Not fantastic in what he does, but he just just does everything right. He's not the biggest name, and I think he's a great player. Um, Lucas Digne, yes, he went for a lot of money, but I already already always fancied him. Um, good crosser of the ball, um, and let's be honest, Eric Consar, Tyrone Mings. They'd get in our team. Yeah, most defenders would, though, to be fair. <laughs> uh, you touched on Sonny's downfall there. Uh, Stephen, is there anything that worries you? You sort of came into watching Spurs when Son really started to take off. And now you just tried to see his sort of downfall. Any any worries for you? About Son? About Son specifically, yeah. I, I guess it, it's just we see this all the time in sports. Sonny is how old right now? 20, 20, 30. 20, 20, yeah, 30. Yeah. So with these players, we can't take for granted that they're going to be at the 100% elite level of their abilities that they've been at the past. But he has still flashed some really good things, like that time when he had a rest for just a minute for that Leicester game, and he came in and scored a hat trick within 20 minutes. He showed that. that Three amazing goals as well. The World Cup, he wasn't as good because of the mask and the vision, and he, he didn't have any painkillers. He could only take Advil. But then at the very end, he had that moment, that, that huge moment for his country and his buddies where he carried the ball box to box to send them out of the group stage. Um, but, you know, the reason he was wearing that mask is because we didn't take care of business in the easiest Champions League group in all the yeah. Champions League. Um, and this is this is another another tangible discussion. But if, if we had a manager, that I mean, we had the most talented squad in the group. If we had wrapped that up by round five, Sonny wouldn't have had that injury. Sonny would be better right now. Yeah, there's a lot of what ifs to do with the whole season, to be fair. And um, I think that's something we might come back to later on. But let's get cracking. The whole of Tottenham Twitter and the whole biosphere around the club at the moment is sort of engaged in this whole Enoch in or out or whatever. Well, I haven't seen much in, to be fair, uh, but certainly there's a lot of hashtags and name calling and all sorts going on online. So, uh, Stephen, on behalf of the defence, can you give us a little bit of why you think uh, the, the owners either have been good or are in the right place to take us forward? Just before you do so, though, I want to say to everyone online who's saying stupid shit like Levy Lover and you're the problem and all that stuff, grow the fuck up. And have a grown-up conversation. Yes, let's, All right. Let's not, no, let's not get personal, like. Exactly. Twitter, Twitter, like even with the edict out, like we all support the club. None of us know exactly the right way. No. Let's 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 just not get personal with we it. We all so. get to we all get to choose how we support the club we love. So um, on that note, Stephen, on behalf of the defence, let's have your opening statement. Yeah, and here's the the shortest, most succinct way to put it. When I started watching this club nine to ten years ago, the EPL was a big five. And now it's a big six. And we're that sixth team, and these owners put us there. 
and there, there's more details there, there's more discussion we can have it, it can get more um elaborate but but why are we trashing the people who who brought us to this stage who are they like a victim of expectations that they created i think that there's there's perception out there that our peer clubs in terms of branding market forces financial might and things like that our peer clubs are chelsea man city man U, real all the top ones and that's just simply not the case i mean the the owners of of these clubs have money that for if, if we were to get an owner that matched it the owner would likely be a an international criminal or <laughs> of people that that we don't really want to be associated with and one of the reasons i cheer for this club and i love cheering for this club and i feel like a lot of people do is that there is something noble about moving up the right way the organic way and having local people in charge of the club even though i'm not a local i still find it very admirable and they've done a good job and and, and the truth is our, our true peer clubs they're the west hams the evertons the aston villas maybe and we're, we're miles clear of them now because of things that we've done in the past at least since i've been watching because of what these owners have done yeah chris any response to that so basically we've grown organically we've, we've not been reliant on our owners to fund our growth which seems to be the way of other clubs are doing but it's obviously not sustainable and it's a mental way to do business if you think about it right yeah and you say the word business and that's the way this these owners run the club a business and i don't know the ad analogy or the quote perfectly but i am sick of being in a boat and pedaling or rowing with one fucking paddle but we're just going around in circles we've been here we know what it's like we bring good manager in we don't back them they might get some success and then they a team might overachieve and then we then we think oh yeah this team's good enough so we don't need to invest and let's let's just push them as far as we can and then they all turn 32 very quickly and they all leave and then we're back to this rebuild and I'm sick of hearing this long-term rebuild. Like, how long is it going to be? They said, what was it, five years under Poch? Something like that, yeah. I'm sure we've reached that five years. What, are we extending it? Are we doing another five-year rebuild? What is it? Like, for me, it's very similar to a manager and certain managers are very good at building foundations and bringing to a club a certain level, but then you need a top manager to get you over the line. And these owners, thank you for all they've done. They've built the foundations of a club that's self-sustainable and as a business, yes. But in terms of getting us over that line, yeah. it's not there. It's not there. Well, let me just come well, in on that. So, Stephen mentioned about growing organically and the growth we've come as a club, certainly since he started to support the club. But um, I'm going to go back to 2008 because that sort of... Um, that was the last time we won a trophy, so that's everyone's sort of starting point quite a lot. I know it came in before that, but it gives a shit. So uh, since 2008, we have finished in the top four. Um, sorry, we finished in the top four seven times. So that's four finishes in uh, in fourth place, two in third place, and once in second. We didn't finish in the top four in the previous 14 years. 
we hadn't had back-to-back um, top four finishes since the 81-82 and 82-83 seasons. Uh, we had zero top four finishes in the 90s and five in the 80s, which was when we're probably most famous, the 80s and the, and the 60s, and only, only one in the 70s. So there's a lot of talk about how the club, um, how, how, how they failed us. It seems to be a, a word I'm hearing a lot, the club have failed us. But you're, you're saying that they've taken us as far as they can, Chris. They've, I think that's they've, fair to they've, say. They've taken us as far as they can, and ultimately top four has got a trophy. Like, even, you want to go back to the 60s or 70s, even the 90s, when we were apparently shit, they've still got trophies in their mirrors. Yeah. We don't have trophies now. The top four does mean nothing. Like, honestly, a lot of these fans would be supporting them a lot more. Steve, is there anything you'd like to comment on that about um, maybe we've, maybe we've hit a, uh, our ceiling under this own? Yeah. So with that notion that top four doesn't mean anything without trophies, I I don't necessarily agree with. It doesn't, nothing really means anything unless you get titles. Um, I only, and I think a lot of people only really consider titles to be winning the EPL or winning the Champions League. The FA Cup and the Carabao Cup, they're really nice and all, but especially during, during the poach years when we focused on getting top four, that was definitely a more important thing in terms of of growing the stature of the club, growing the revenues, and most importantly, growing the attractiveness for other players to to come over and and play for us. Once we had this run of being in the top four and then making the final, our net spend since that time has been top five of the EPL, maybe higher. The, The figures I see were fifth in the past five years. And it started shooting up right after the Champions League final and when the stadium opened up, despite the pandemic going on. So, I mean, there's there's no trophies, but still most, the majority of clubs in the EPL, at least 15 of them or so, they, they would be jealous of our stature. Like West Ham fans, Everton fans. Um, those guys and also also the notion of they've taken us as far as we can and we just need a new owner to come in and spend that's one of those deals of be careful what you wish for because you just might get it and everton is a huge example of this they spent how much 500 million pounds since 2016 yeah and they almost got relegated so that's that's another big misperception I think is, is out there, at least in internet lands of Spurs Twitter and all that, is that this notion of if you spend, it's definitely going to work. If you go and look at the, the highest dollar transfers, not just of our club, but of all the clubs over the past several seasons, half of them flop, you know. And if you spend big and you can't really afford to back it up with criminal money, basically, then it could cripple your club, and we see it happening. We see, I mean, West Ham—they're in relegation fight technically right now. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, that's a that's a good point. So you, you mentioned about transfers, and that's something that Daniel Levy gets bashed on specifically um, about not spending enough, not backing managers, making shit signings, even though he's not a scout. So I'm not sure how much he is to blame for the players we sign. Um, Christian, any oh. any comments on our transfers over the last twenty odd years? Right, they're all they're all opportunities. Like the only one that I credit him on 
right, is Endombele because his profile was emerging, right? That one, if it's gone wrong, and it has gone wrong, that's not to do Levy. He got the deal done, and he's brought in the top talent. Now, we talk about the Celso. This guy's went to PSG, flopped. This this guy's been around, right? And we still buy him for big money. That's fine. Move him on. He's still on our books. We can't move him on because we we overvalue players. We, we, we keep them tight. The big clubs, right, they'll happily lose 15, 20 million on a player if it takes the toxicity out of the club. Get them out. Get, let's get somebody in. But we won't do that because we're runners of business. Um, in terms of he's not a scout, well, who employs the scouts? Does the boss not take responsibility of it? Is the youth set up? Is the scouting set up? Not people he's hired and trusted? Like, we, it's a known fact. Paratici walked in the club and on his first day went, fuck, I can't concentrate <laughs> on the first team because the youth team is fucked. Right. And, and literally got rid of everyone and he's trying to rebuild slowly. Right? And the youth setup's never been right. We've got no we've got no one coming up. Or even if they don't come up, we've got no one that we can sell for, for decent money like Chelsea do. Um the, the profiles that come in, always wrong profiles, always opportunities, sidings, never the right profiles. Would you say that's a knock on effect of bad manager signing as well because a lot of clubs you'll see they hire no but hear me out hear me out a lot of um clubs hire managers who follow along a similar path so for example chelsea just sacked tuchel and they brought in potter who isn't worlds away from tuchel the the changes you've seen from the chelsea team recently although not 100 successful are tweaks here and there they play generally a similar system and a similar style. Leicester have done it for years again. It's going a bit shit now. So I'm talking myself into a bit of a hole here. But uh, Tottenham don't seem to have done that. So we've gone from Poch um, to Jose, who, which are worlds apart. You can't get two more diametrically opposed managers than those two. Um, and then we had Nuno, who was just a, a space filler. But I suppose he was supposed to be a Conte light. But again, did it work? Because he, he wanted to play four at the back, which is why we brought in Emerson Royale, who's now having to play wing back under Conte. So is is that is that again is that enough something else that you you bash the, the ownership no, for like not not having a not having an identity is where I'm getting at. No, the non identity is them because they've never fully backed the manager. Yeah. And Harry Redknapp was one of the managers that they never backed. They never backed Mourinho, right? They they've never backed anyone fully, not even Poch, right? And at the beginning of his era, they backed Poch quite a bit. Um, Poch then asked, started asking for certain players they wouldn't give in to him what I would say though is they offered Poch similar players and he refused so he was part of the problem but that's a whole other matter but for me they it goes back to being opportunity like Van der Vaart signings Modric we was lucky to get him before the World Cup after the World Cup we would have got nowhere fucking near him like, um, for me we just don't have not a vision of how we want to play. We don't have a vision in terms of, right, we're going to back this manager. Um, if it doesn't work, this is at least we've got X, Y and Z to move forward with. Because Mourinho is very similar to Conte's style of football. Um, Nuno, you say, well, that PE teacher don't really count, but <laughs> <laughs> there's just, 
there's just so much that's wrong within the actual club rather than just the first team. It is rotten. And unfortunately, when that much is the is wrong, you have to blame the owners. Like who, at the end of the day, they make the decisions, they hire people. If your yeah. boss does not give you the right tools to do your job, how can he possibly blame you for not completing the tasks? Uh, Stephen, obviously, we've spoken, spoken there about identity and uh, transfers not quite matching up with playing style etc um is that is that an issue with you at the moment i don't know if palachi has only been in the job for a little while i don't know if that swings it i don't know if you want to give him some time or what's your feeling about the current feel around the club and and the perceived lack of identity i, I like the paratici stuff I, i've always he's always seemed very uh, interesting and enigmatic since he came in and like you said christian he came in said fuck and did a huge do-over with the youth program and it sounds like exactly what we need and i'm happy we hired him and who hired him the people the people that we want to push out i think what what what's going on now it's you, you said that we didn't back Mourinho, and that's interesting you say, you say that um and i appreciate that because one thing that i've been confused about over on this side of the pond is that we I hear like pre-threats all the time coming up into this January transfer window of you better back Conti or he's going to leave and we're going to revolt. We're going to you know, burn the stadium down, have a rebellion. You better back Conti. But where was this energy when Mourinho was here? I mean, Mourinho, he, in terms of you talk about Conti's reputation and the, the trophies he's won and the things he's accomplished. Mourinho is, is twice as accomplished as him. Where was that energy? So that 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 kind of confuses me a bit. This this whole um, pitchfork mob, the, the 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 conflicting viewpoints that I get from them really really confuse me. Um, in terms of like overall success with Phoenix, how you, you say they're failing, but it wasn't that long ago that we were in the Champions League final, and we were doing it with a, a very innovative setup in our structure we were doing it in ways that other clubs they might have tried but they've never come close to achieving and it made a lot of people jealous both the rich clubs and the poor clubs it's one of the i think it's the reason that we seem to be the most hated club from all of the epl the rich teams their fans sing about us all the time the poor teams their fans sing about us all the time if we're not doing anything spectacular, if we're like not really a threat to anybody, why why are we getting all this hate? That doesn't make sense to me either. I think we really are, are underappreciating the things that we've gotten right, at least in the past 10 years. I wasn't around before that, unfortunately. But at least in the past 10 years, I think we underappreciate a lot of the things that we've gotten right. Yeah, it was only shared before that. Don't worry, you didn't you didn't miss out on much. Uh, Christian, Champions League final, that was impressive, though, right? Again, overachieved. That that's something that when that's like us, like less than winning the league, no one expected it. It was overachieving. Part of it was by luck, which you do need in football, so I'm not going to hold it against them. However, we have to factor that in. Lucas should have never been in the Champions League final. 
Jake uh, Lorente, a big age, should have never been in the final. Winks should have never been in the final. Eric Dyer should have never been in the final. Like we had an overachieving team, yes. Individually great players when you speak about Toby, Ericsson, Dembele, um, Yamatogan and all these players, yes. However, as a team and as a club, it was an overachievement. And that should have been, another point is, that should have been the point where everyone in the club got hungry. The fans definitely got hungry. We wanted to be there again. Like, we, as a fan, we were upset that we lost that final. But the feeling was how good was it that we got there. We didn't slag anyone off. And what happened is they got to the final. So Levy said, right, we're going to invest a little bit. But ultimately, go and do it again. There was nothing, there was no real push on. There was no real desire from the club. Um, there was no mentality change. Um, but like, 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 like people say, yes, he spent money, right? But who did he buy after the Champions League? Endo Mele, yes, I've already said that that was a good signing. We signed Marcelo, we signed Steven Sessignon. It was a good signing at the time. We talk about how he's not maybe performing now, but let's be honest, the whole of the country wanted to sign Stephen Sessignon when we signed. But that's because of championship. Let's let's be honest. Like, if everyone wanted him, we would have gone to City. But Stephen Sessignon, Jack Clark. Yeah, that was it. These are not Champions League final players. Like, whether you say Stephen Sessignon was playing well. But you talk about... That's not not investment in terms of, yes, you pull money out of your pocket. It's bad investment. Sorry, Stephen. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So we we, we have we've invested more since then than than we ever have, as was promised by the owners too. Going, uh, having to do with both reaching the final and to getting that stadium opened up, we invested more on players. Maybe they flopped, but you know that happens. Once again, spending money does not automatically equate to getting better. That's a big myth. But yeah, we spent on the players, but we've also spent more on coaching and management than any other owner has. We've signed two managers since then, which at the time they were signed were unanimously considered the most accomplished managers out there at the time. Yeah, and Christian, you spoke about overachieving. You you spoke about the final was an overachievement, but surely the club that, the size of a club at Tottenham are, we, we would have to achieve overachieve every time we, we win something. The reason I say that is uh, since 2008, um, there's been 42 trophies up for grabs, domestic trophies up for grabs. 78% have been won by Manchester City, Manchester United, Chelsea and Liverpool. That's 78% of domestic trophies won by just four clubs. One of those is a plaything for a nation that is and it's being used as a sports washing project we're never going to compete with that the two of the others are um two of the biggest clubs in the world in terms of uh, marketing and fan base uh, in united and liverpool and another one was a russian mafia bosses um plaything as well because he was an oil baron so you can see it's difficult to struggle and just and just another thing just before you come in there chris in that time period only two clubs have won more than one trophy. Um, Arsenal with four and Leicester with two. The other clubs that have won something are like Birmingham, Swansea and Wigan. Yeah, no, I, I get that point. But it's when Liverpool won the league, right? Did you say they overachieved? 
That was no, it was the season but, after they'd got ninety odd points. So exactly. if, if it's, it's about building something. We've since that Champions League final, we've got no closer to City, no closer to to even Chelsea. I know they've dropped off in form and signed their manager, so that's got to implement it. But in terms of club stature, we've got no closer. Um, so had we, like I said at the start of the season, right? It's about improvement. It's mm. about steady improvement constantly. If we got an FA Cup or a Carabao Cup and we finished in the league within 10 points of the winner, that's improvement. We've, we've scaled back a 10-point a ten, a ten gap. Like, we were 20 points behind. So, mm. then next year, you go again. You're five points closer. And that's how Liverpool did it. Liverpool didn't overachieve because... You could see them pushing them the whole way every season, season in, season out. It's not about finishing fourth. If you finish fourth within five points, you've got to put your hands up and say, fuck me, that was a good season. Right? It's We're not getting any closer. Argument is we're getting further away. There's there's no real fight, and that's the problem. It's it's not overachieving as if, if you do less than you win the league once and then you're back to ground zero. Stephen, uh, Christian mentioned there uh, lack of fire. Is that something that you've seen or something that worries you? Lack of fire, like in the past couple weeks? Absolutely. In the past year? No. I'm really, I mean, Conte, you say, say what you want about him. I'm not necessarily his biggest fan, as y'all might surmise, but one thing he definitely does have is fire. The same thing with Mourinho. We, we're, I mean, they're, they're trying to bring in guys with fire um, and it ebbs and flows. And when, when we're in a downturn, like we are now, we're not performing well. I, I hear everyone say that they hate watching the club. Now they, they don't have, there, there's no more soul left. They don't like watching it, but over, over the course of, you know, over the course of the past year, I would definitely disagree with that. That, that Arsenal game, we won three zero, we won three zero to essentially take top four. That was some of the most fun I've had watching this club and in uh, all my time watching it. That was pretty recent. Uh, like we're we're not as as far away as I think people think we are. Okay, so just before we move on to uh, a closing statements, if you will, I think it's fair if I uh, summarise Stephen's points there as we have grown organically almost more than any other club of our stature. Um, and we are facing a really difficult challenge in terms of you look at the um, the ownership structures of other clubs and where they get their money from. Um, it's hard to compete. And even having said that, spending money doesn't necessarily equal trophies um, necessarily straight away. It, it takes a, it's a lot more into it than that. But um, I think it's fair to say that. And obviously, you want to see uh, football that enjoy that you, that you can enjoy. Um, so this this um, nitpicking that sort of the FA Cup and the Carling Cup isn't necessarily going to do it for you. You want to see Tottenham at the top level um, rather than just a trophy for a trophy's sake. I think that's fair, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, and Christian, you're sort of saying, I think, um, what a lot of fans online are saying. Um, obviously, the lack of trophies is a big thing. Um, I know, Stephen, um, I'm not sure if the same feeling around the FA Cup might be felt for fans abroad. But um, in, the, in England, it is it is also diminishing. But ultimately, it's the oldest cup competition in the world. So it does have some sort of pulling power. Um, so we do still want to win trophies. A lot of managers would say that uh, trophies breed trophies and success breeds success. 
Um, but ultimately, we haven't we haven't won anything, and we haven't backed managers, and we've started to stagnate. Is that fair, Chris? Yeah, just give me a second paddle so I can keep paddling forward. <laughs> right, all right. So we went with Stephen first last time on the opening um, opening statement. So Christian, you go first on on closing. How do you what what do you if you could speak to the owners now, um, what would you say? I'd just say to them, look, you have got one of the best managers in world football, the closest thing in terms of success that you're going to get to a Mourinho, a Pep or a Klopp. Back him like you've never backed anyone else. Mm. Trust him and he will take you there. I don't care how old you think the Vrije is or how <laughs> old you think uh, anyone that he signs is. By the way, he's not all about that fan base. Let's just put it out there. But just get him in and let's at least back the guys and if it doesn't happen then we can hold our hands up at least we tried we can't keep planning for the future it's about the here and now ultimately winning stuff's going to put money in your pockets more than you ever before so you've got you've got something to come from it as well what i do want to say to the fan base though for me edict out is not about protests or anything like that just yet okay it's about it's about backing Conte for me and it's about adding pressure to get them to do what's right for this football club for this beautiful football club that needs to keep driving forward so the vibe I get from Christian there is back Conte or fuck off uh, Steve what is your message maybe more to fans than the owners my message to fans as opposed to my message is, is my message to fans is to don't take for granted what you have There's a lot of fans that are really jealous of what you have and the fans that are not jealous of what we have. We we alluded to it at the very beginning of this podcast. It's really not that special what they're doing, what they're feeling. There's really not much of an emotional lift to winning a title with a Man City or a Chelsea. I'll take one title in the next 10 years with the way we're doing it. I would trade that or, or keep that then trade it for five titles with a sports washing club easily because all it takes is one once we get that one we're we're already the most hated club out there and we haven't won anything yet imagine what happens once we get one and we do it our way yeah how you win is as important as winning um what i'm here where i am with it is um daniel levy obviously considers us as a big club one of the biggest in the countries and i think that was evidenced by all the bollocks with the super league um trying to drag us, if, us into that competition and, and the hiring of Jose and Conte, two of the biggest managers, as uh, Stephen has mentioned as well. Um, also, the demand for a world record fee for the uh, naming rights at the stadium. Again, more evidence um, that he, he thinks we are giant. I just want him to start acting like it now. Um, I get we're not the financial powerhouse or some other clubs, but we've got money. Um, and it's time to not only spend it, but to build up a system that... Um, mentioned there Stephen as well and you're absolutely right transfers are uh, a bit of a gamble Uh, sometimes they work sometimes everything indicates that they're going to work but they just don't maybe in the ballet style Um, but we need to set up a system that limits that so that when we sign someone they they follow our um, our sort of identity and they help move the club forward Um, and sort of our sort of agreement with the manager that makes sense so time to start acting more I, I'm not Enoch out necessarily I'm just do a bit better please just do a bit better let's let's keep pushing forward because we have stagnated a little bit um just uh, before 
just before we just wrap it up it's crystal palace next isn't it um steven is there anything any sort of predictions you've got about that game it's going to be a difficult one right now uh, <laughs> it's hard I mean, to tell I, isn't it <laughs> I'll, I'll just be honest and this is another this is another conversation it's a bit of a tangent i'm just not confident in our manager right now and i'm not as confident as everyone else is uh, it, I, I know that he's accomplished. I know that he's done some things in the past, and there's qualifications for them, like the titles he's won. He's bounced out of Europe super early. Um, I, I want him to prove to us, with us, with us, what he can achieve before we start kissing his feet. And that starts. It should have started earlier this year. It starts tomorrow. Um, I'll be cheering for us, but I'll believe it when I see it with this guy i think you're, you're talking there to two italian inter milan fans so <laughs> we might have a slightly different perspective on conte than um than you did but that's absolutely I fair enough he showed us I what he's done i just yeah. want to see it with us yeah no he, he showed us last season as well and in, in, in the beginning of this one um that he can get a better song out of this team than we are we have shown over the last um six or so games um so it's really difficult to call and i i, I don't think anyone's feeling too positive about it are they chris no, um, do you know what, um, I reckon we're going to win it 2-1. Think 2-1? Yeah, 2-1. I reckon Harry Kane uh, will get one. Um, and then, did he, I heard today that he announced Kulu might be back. They're assessing him today and tomorrow. Yeah, that means Kulu will be back. So I reckon Kulu won, Kane won. Go one nil down as we usually do, but, <laughs> but ultimately we got too much firepower. Uh, Stephen, a score prediction? I'll go one-one draw. Appreciate that. As long as you didn't say a loss, I'll take it. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna. I think we're gonna break the duck, and I think we're gonna win two nil and finally get a clean sheet. Um, probably with some Hugo Lloris madnesses because that's what he does after he fucks up. Then he comes back firing. So um, there we have it. We will leave it to you guys back home to make up your own minds about Enoch. Maybe um, they are the devil in person, like everyone seems to be suggesting online. Maybe we're just falling just a little bit short of where we'd like to be. But um, wherever you are, come on you Spurs and uh, let's go forward. Give me a puddle, Enoch. Just give me a puddle. so yeah, obviously, thanks very much for joining us, uh, Stephen. Do you wanna do you wanna give out your Twitter handle to the guys to see if they wanna follow you? Um, sure. It, it's not that it's not that interesting. <laughs> I mostly came on here for me because I wanted to talk to people. <laughs> but if you wanna follow my Twitter, it's the number seven seventh floor crew. Crew is spelled K R E W E. It's a New Orleans thing. It's it's complicated. Um, we'll yeah, we'll we'll. we'll, uh, we'll, we'll we'll take you in the post with this podcast <laughs> yeah that's a challenge yeah i had one more random question though Go for uh, it. about player, player champs um and specifically to hugo loris because there is a spurs supporter club in minneapolis one of the favorite supporter clubs that i've encountered at america but they have a song for him and every spurs fan abroad that i talk to they say it doesn't exist i i wanted to <laughs> sing it and i wanted to let's hear do it song. Let's do it. Okay, so Hugo makes a big save. In this bar, one guy shouts out, I don't want any, anybody else. And then the whole bar 
yells, when I think of you, go, I touch myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that doesn't exist. No, no, have you got um, Sex Education on Netflix back home as well? Is that just on the English one? Because <laughs> I think that's the song that, that's where that song comes from. Uh, oh, it's, I, on that I century, it's on that series, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, the song for Hugo is really just Hugo. Google, there's no yeah, we're chance. not we're not the most inventive fans or anything <laughs> today, but um, but I tell you what, keep singing it because that sounds awesome in the in the in the bars and the pubs back back home. So keep it up. Um, but yeah, thanks again for for joining us. I hope you uh, have better experience in the next ten years or so of watching Spurs. And um, yeah, keep good. in touch, peace out. Thank you. Are.